Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. It's more than just a podcast. It's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data-driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room. Listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup, recovery, storage, cloud, and security. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode of Data Protection Gumbo, I have Ryan Patterson, who serves as the president of Unplugged. Uh, Mr. Patterson brings over 20 years of broad experience leading the development of cutting-edge technology, tradecraft, and acquisition initiatives from within both the federal and civilian sectors. He also did 12 years in the Marine Corps and two tiers at DARPA, yes, DARPA, um, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. So, Ryan, welcome to the gumbo. How are you? Thanks, Demetrius. I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you and uh, look forward to seeing where the conversation goes. All right, let's 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 start off really light here. Why don't you explain Unplugged and, and what exactly is it and, and how did it come about? Yeah, so Unplugged is a, is a consumer communications company focused solely on the privacy of our data. We've, we've we put together an offering that we think is going to be very attractive to just the ever, everyday average cell phone user. We, we, we wanted to get at sort of a holistic view of privacy. And, and to do that, we need to, we need to have some efforts in the software side of things. We need to have some efforts in the hardware side of things. We need to have efforts in the network side of things. And all of your data security folks sort of know like that full stack of things is what you have to get at if you really want to lock things down. So, you know, our software offering is a is a is an app suite in uh, a, a standalone app store that that focuses on privacy. It's a subscription-based kind of thing that starts getting after the, you know, if it's free, you're the product. And are people ready to switch that? Are they willing to start paying for the convenience to maintain their privacy? They want the convenience of the maps. They want the convenience of the email and the interplay of the apps. But they don't want all that going back up to uh, sort of the, the, the big tech companies that then monetize that information and send it on. And so that's on the software side. And somebody can just come into the software level. They can just download the apps. Uh, they can put them on their phones. Uh, and they can operate from there. You know, so the second set for us is is a phone, and so we're we are we are specifically designing and manufacturing phones that have a privacy focus. Um, this allows us to do a bunch of things. It allows us to control the hardware, where the hardware is coming from, where the chipsets are coming from, where the manufacturing is happening, as well as then create an entire operating system on top of that phone that plays off of the the hardware design we've made. And then the last piece is a network, and and in 2024 we'll launch a uh, a private network uh, called Unplugged uh, here in the United States that will allow folks to, you know, to do all of their calls, have all of their IP traffic flow through phones and out to others, but have it done through a private network. Now this this sounds like this is crazy. So so you're saying that you're building a cell phone, a mobile device with, you know, I guess your own hardware and. I guess you're making sure everything is legit and it's all sourced 
from a, a location that you can trust and uh, from from that perspective. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it is. And 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 you're right to go, huh? Uh, I've heard that a lot from folks that um, that that we've gone and pitched as we're as we're raising our Series A, is that like it's really hard to do hardware and software. It's like why are you trying to do these things? Like why are you trying to compete? Sort of in this space that's well known, and uh, you know, and, and and for us, we you know we we just we want to be able to provide that offering, and, and we think there's a way to design phones that that then the user of the phone is not commoditized and tracked, and 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 sold over and over and over again. Um, yeah, we, we've just finalized our we just finalized our agreement. The the manufacturing and the non recurring engineering is happening right now. We should have our first prototype devices in February, um, and we looked and we look to have you know devices available for sale in the in the summer of twenty three. Now, are these going to be affordable, or or are they going to be like super crazy, like um, a, a jet a Jetson phone from the future? <laughs> right. Um, I, th- I think the affordability is. I think device by device will be cheaper than an iPhone. Will oh, be really? A little more ex- will be a little more expensive than the average uh, Android device. Um, our, our target market is between eight fifty and nine hundred and fifty dollars per device. They are, you know, you you mentioned sort of where they are being manufactured. Our, our, our ch- we are we are trying to steer steer very clear of sort of Chinese influence on a device. The um, C word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry, I'll say it, China. Um, <laughs> we, we uh, so our, you know, the, the chips are going to be coming from a different location. Our manufacturing is going to happen in a different location. Um, and, and none of the, none of the supply chain is going to, is going to touch that country. You know, that, that sounds pretty fascinating. And you said something earlier during the introduction, uh, you, you mentioned privacy of your data. And so, a question popped in my head. What's the difference of privacy, data privacy, and data security? Is there a difference? We we think so. And 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 for us, the the we started to get really interested in this when we began to understand just how much information is available about you personally and is available to anybody with a credit card. Some of your some of your talks have gotten into this and sort of where you move and where you go and and how people can see those things, um, and and again our, our phones have antivirus they've got VPNs so sort of all of those things that, that 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 you would want in a security perspective. But our real focus is what are we giving up willingly to to the industry? The data that can be found from the mobile ad ID on your phone, the MAID, right? So every phone's got a, got a mobile ad ID on it. It's a, it's a unique uh, identifier to that device. You can roll it, you can change it and, and all of those things, but you really can't. Is, is that like a Mac, a Mac address? A little bit. So to speak. Yeah, it's a little bit like a Mac. So it's, it is, yeah, it is, it is very specifically designed to your phone. And again, I can operate on one mobile ad ID one day and then I can, and then I can roll it the next day and make it a different thing, but it's still unique to my device. Um, and and what we have found over the years is like this is this is where all of the targeted advertisement comes from, and and there's very little control over who can get access to those things and buy from the ad exchanges. And and so this is yeah, this is yeah. the example I, I I usually try to give people. My former company was um, we had our office in an old historic home in a historic town in Virginia. Like it was not a it was not a big thing. We weren't flashy about you know who we are and what we were doing. 
there were no signage out front. Um, and, and we did a lot of work for a lot of different customers, but we sort of did it inside of this historic home. If anybody knew, and again, you could Google search our company's name and find the address of the company, and it was this house. For about $1,000, an average user could subscribe to the mobile ad ID exchange services. There's many of them. Um, they could bring... Um, they could bring to that sort of a geofence kind of query. So they could drop mm -hmm. a geofence mm -hmm. over the, literally right over the house where we are. So the house, small parking lot, right on the corner of uh, this historic downtown. And in that they could collect for a month and say like, man, eh, let's see who comes and goes out of this house. And then they could query down and say, hey, let's, I only want to, I only am interested in the mobile ad IDs of the people that are there more than twice a week and have been there more than 10 times this month. And if, if they did that, they'd have a pretty good look at all of the cell phone IDs of the people that worked for the team in that facility. There was, you know, the company was 75 people big, but there were 20 of us that regularly came and went out of that facility. So now they've got these mobile ad IDs of, you know, 20 phones. Now they can take those mobile ad IDs and they can look back 90 days and say, where has that phone been? Now I'm tracking and it's, you know, if you look at some of the research, the precision is really high, like the corner of the building. Like you could tell which of us sat in which corner of which building uh, or of the house. Yeah. Um, now I can mm -hmm. tell where they go home every night, where they go to sports games, where their kids go to school, where they went on vacation and things like that. Right. And for a thousand dollars, you can get those kinds of things. And, and really all you need to unmask somebody is one other piece of information about them, right? If you put the geo on their office and you know where their kids go to school or you know where they're generally where their home is, you can, you can figure out exactly who is who on those mobile ad IDs and then you can start tracking them forward. And this is not, you know, law enforcement. This isn't sort of national security stuff. This is anybody with a thousand dollars that subscribes to these things. And so, so for us, for us, that is, that is why we're looking at privacy um, not so much as security, right? There's, there's a lot of folks I've, I've, I've listened to a number of your podcasts, right? You've got, you've got experts out there that are thinking about security, how to protect my home network and those kinds of things. Um, I just don't think the average user has any idea yeah, how much man. information they're giving up. Yeah. I almost want to stop this episode and like turn my cell phone off and <laughs> because this reminds me of life 360. So we, we have that as a family and it gives me peace of mind to to know that, you know, I have two girls, you know, that they're coming and going and they arrive where they're supposed to. And, you know, it's all transparency between us, you know, so we can know exactly where we are. Right. And it, right. it sounds very similar to, to that. But um, as far as collecting the collection of personal data, and th that's been happening a long time, I, I guess, right even before cell phones were a thing, um, I guess handing out flyers and all of all of this junk mail, you know, at your at your um, put in your mailbox, uh, were, were things that people did as well, which is kind of a similar level um, of doing that. But what, what's different now is as we move into this this digital era, and how easy or simple is it to collect someone's data? And I know you just gave that example of the geofence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know the, the we're given we're given tons and tons of data. I was I was just in in California for Thanksgiving, uh, met some friends met for, some friends for dinner, and we were talking 
we ended up talking and so we got talked a little bit about this and privacy and things and you know all the all the providers swear they're not listening to your microphone um but we go to a restaurant and somewhere on the menu there is like a dish that has hot honey um and so mm-hmm. i don't know if you're you know from the south or sort of understand like honey with cayenne pepper that goes on fried chicken and right so like like it's a thing of love for those of us that come from the south and like this whole discussion happened about hot honey and hot honey on pizza and hot honey on chicken and hot honey, hot honey, hot honey. And then one of these folks that's a lifelong LA resident ended up with an ad delivered to their phone about hot honey, about hot honey the next morning. And we we're like, really? Like, like, I don't know, maybe somebody at the, maybe somebody at the table, you know, Googled hot honey. And then there's some proximity and like, Oh, maybe this person is interested in hot honey. I mean, th- those things, those things do happen. And sometimes we really like it. Um, but you know, you know, and to say like in this digital age we're entering into, like we've been, we've been giving up data about ourselves for a very long time. And, and, and a lot of it has been because right. There's a, there's an enormous convenience to some of the applications and the fact that we have a device that knows where we are at all times. Um, and, you know, I, I talk to people about this all the time. The art of giving directions to a place is gone in our society, right? It used to be a thing like you knew people, you knew people that could give really good driving directions and people that gave really bad driving directions. And like, that's just, it's simply gone. And there is, there is something hyper convenient about, Hey, where do you want to meet this place at this time? And like no other communication needs to happen. uh, And you can get there. And, you know, some of what we're asking people is if there was an alternative and you could pay essentially the same price as your one of your streaming services if you could give up one of your streaming services and then keep all of that productivity and convenience on your cell phone is that a thing you would be willing to spend so that google apple the apps the ad exchanges all of those things don't have your data would you be willing to pay 12.99 a month to right this is the antithesis of if it's free, you're the product. Well, let's make it not free. And then you're not a product. Like, are you willing to pay to have yourself not be a product that is marketed? And, and again, I'm still there. Like I'm still there. iPhone user, I get the targeted ads. um, Right. And so I think the biggest thing is there's not been a, there's not been a viable alternative for anybody to go to. So everybody continues to stay with convenience. Yeah. And and I was just going to think like, does the average consumer, even really care about their data being out on the internet and most people i would say they're somewhat concerned but they're not totally concerned because the government right big brother and whatever someone's gonna have your information one way or another because i just received an alert uh saying oh your data has been involved in another breach so you have these major breaches happening so if, if you use your, your, your uh, mobile device or you use your credit card because you have to pay for things, someone's going to get your data. So I guess what, what would motivate someone to kind of give up their iPhone or their Samsung Galaxy device and even some of the apps that they're using uh, and, and move to a device uh, or application like, like what you are uh, proposing? Yeah, for, for, for me, the motivation that I saw was, was actually seeing an article that was written back in 2014, 2015. I I alluded to this earlier, right? It takes, it takes about a thousand dollars for somebody to, to really get into, um, 
being able to start track people at a very high fidelity. And, and, and a lot of times our, our minds are stuck on, you know, oh, we don't want big government. We don't want big tech. But there is a, an entirely different side of things, uh, which are just, you know, global scammers. And uh, one of my – I've got a, a, a YouTube guy that I love that just goes after the Indian call center scams. Right. And those folks have, they've just gotten one or two additional pieces of information about you. They've gotten it through open source searching and things like that. Um, and when I looked at this article and saw, you know, saw that it could take a thousand dollars, you only need a couple of pieces of information to get somebody to believe they're actually the, the person that they're supposed to be talking to. Um, you know, five, six years ago, oh gosh, it was probably 10 years ago. Um, my, so because of what I had done in the past and I had, I had been part of uh, the U S government, there were documents that we have to create that talks about where we've lived and, you know, who we're married to, who our siblings are uh, and things like that. Sort of people that knew us in places. Um, and the Chinese government hacked the office of personnel management and got all of those documents. And so there was a day when I woke up to an email from my bank that said, Hey, we've approved that, that $9,900 transfer that you've asked for has been approved and moved. And I woke up and was like, I didn't do a $9,900 transaction. Um, and I asked my wife, I said, Hey, was this yours? I didn't do anything. I never touched that bank account. That's, you know, it's the bank account where we kept the kids college fund. And, and again, the bank security called me and they were like, Hey, we think this is suspicious. We're like, yeah, this is suspicious. Lock the account down. You know, let's let's figure out what's going on. I'm like, well, we can't lock the account down. You might have a check that's waiting to be cleared. I'm like, well, we don't write checks on this account. We can tell you to lock it down. But then what was happening was somebody had gotten a hold of that kind of information, where you lived, places you've lived before, phone numbers you've had before. And they were they were voice verifying into our bank several times as both me or my wife. And over the course of the day, $40,000 left that bank account. Now we got it all back, um, right? The, the bank, you know, was able to pull it all back, but you know that was a pretty stressful kind of day, and that was that was criminal activity, and and you know I just I don't think there's going to be I don't think we're going to find it being very long before people start using ad IDs to get at places, and, and you watch watch some of these videos of these guys going after the Indian call center scammers, and it's clear those folks know where people live, they know, you know, the banks around them, um, you know, go to this Walmart, get a prepaid gift card and you can get your, you can get your computer clean. And, uh, I think the, I think the threat's very real. I, I, I have a similar real. story as well. I, I've shared it on another podcast episode, but I, I received a phone call. Well, it started with a text message to my cell phones asking me, did I, did I make this charge? And, um, and then it said, click yes or no. So I, I, I hit yes. And then I got a phone call from quote unquote the bank. And they started asking me questions like, hey, did you, I'm um, calling about this fraudulent charge. You say you didn't make it. And they just started asking tons of questions. And then what really got me suspicious was the guy said, yeah, so the IP address where they made this charge from was in Arizona. Were you in Arizona? And I said, hold on, why would a bank mention a freaking IP address? That made it suspicious because I was like, there's no way 
a yeah. customer service rep would say anything about an IP address, that is a technical term that they just would not use. And so I, I shut them down and then I called the bank and the bank was like, yeah, that, that wasn't us. And we've been getting tons of calls, you know, that people have been um, getting scammed and et cetera. And so it's it's crazy. Now, now one question, maybe maybe the final question here, Ryan, is do you think the rise or the introduction of, of cryptocurrency has has made things worse? Yeah, I, I don't I don't see crypto as being the the fuel for some of these things. I'm not deeply involved in in crypto myself, but I've got plenty of friends that 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 are and and work in the industry uh, and run companies involved around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies. Um, what we have found though is that the crypto community is very interested in understanding how they can have more privacy uh, and more security on their cellular devices. Um, there are, you know, a lot of them keep their, their private keys on their phones or their computing devices. Um, and, and it's, it's one of the verticals as we've, as we've looked at how we roll out an offering like this, the, the crypto community continues to come up as folks that are keenly interested in a more private computing device that they, that they can communicate on. So, yeah. And the, the, the reason I asked that question is because you know, just w one of the methods of, let's say, a ransomware attack, uh, if someone, you know, deploys ransomware in your computer system or your server, they encrypt the data and then they ask for rams ransom to be paid in cryptocurrency or this number of Bitcoin, et cetera, right? And so it definitely has something to do with making it easier for nefarious actors and hackers etc to it's less traceable it's right. less traceable right? right that that's that's the thing for them right yeah. you know it, it doesn't it doesn't put the so the banking you know transaction from this to this to this to this right that that like the financial crimes enforcement network fincen could then go go track and uh so yeah i mean it's it's, it's interesting there's a lot of talk in, in that space of like do we allow these things to keep going or should privacy should privacy be allowed in financial transactions should privacy be allowed in, in cellular communications and yeah i think it's I, I think it's a discussion that will keep going uh folks have asked us about that like well if we can't if if law enforcement can't track these phones then you know aren't isn't just going to be used by criminals and, mm -hmm. um yeah yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the fourth amendment and i think the the majority of us would like to regain uh and reclaim our privacy um and then bad people are going to be bad people, and, and law enforcement will find a way uh, to, to continue to do their jobs very well. Okay. And what, what are your final thoughts? How, how would you, or, or what would you say to someone who hasn't even thought about switching, you know, carriers and maybe getting a new cell phone and, and going going down this route? What what if someone was skeptical? What would you, what would you say to them? Yeah. So I would I would say like. Start doing your own research, um, right? Do, do some of your own research. You know, I, my, my brothers usually reach out to me for topics like this, and like, hey, what do you think about this? And, and I give them stuff. And so there's somebody in your community. But, you know, just this past week, uh, you know, on my LinkedIn profile, I, there, were, there were two things about Apple. And it was really interesting to me. So I was, in, I was in San Francisco this summer, right as I was taking this position. And my friend Todd was showing me, he's like, look, there's like, look at the, look at the number of billboards about iPhone is privacy. 
um, iPhone, that is privacy. And, um, and, it, and it turns out it's, that's, that's actually not the case, right? They have, they have made it harder for the mobile ad ID uh, to send information out after you, but they've, they've got their own ID that's tied to your iCloud account, and it's collecting everything about you and sending it to Apple, despite, their, despite them saying that it's not the case, right? And then, then on the other hand, we see Apple in China, and they've shut down uh, sort of the share with everyone on AirDrop in China, just in China. Right. So, you know, I just, I, I, I wish the compute, the, the folks that carry this device that tracks everywhere they go, everything they do, everything they see, everything they browse, um, we would take some ownership of sort of understanding just how much data you're choosing to give up. And if they choose, if they understand it and choose to give it up and not do anything different, that is completely okay. You know, in my book, right. As, as long as they understand just how vulnerable they are by having the device. All right. This is definitely food for thought, Ryan. And uh, I, I know I've learned a lot. It uh, has, has been a, an eye-opening conversation for me. And I, I wish you guys much success with your, your new devices and also the application that you're rolling out as well. Is it, is it okay for someone to maybe send you a LinkedIn request? Are you open to, to request? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Patterson, you spell Patterson with one T. Um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and happy to, happy to see them there. Uh, also, unplug.com is our is our address. The software is available for download today on Android devices. Uh, hopefully, coming out in the uh, Apple Apple Store uh, right after the New Year. Devices in June, July. So, Demetrius, thanks very much for your time. Great conversation. Absolutely. And clo- close us out with one book recommendation. I'm curious as to what you're reading. I'm reading Build right now so it's a it's a book about building new businesses um that's that's usually what what i uh where i find myself reading um and it's about starting from scratch and building it back up and it's, uh, as a guy that's starting a new thing it was it's very relevant lots of good stuff all right awesome build i'll, I'll have build. to i'll google that and, and check it out yeah, for myself awesome thanks all right well thank you for being on on the gumbo ryan thank you demetrius take care Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.